0: Hello, my name is Maywa and welcome to Maiwa and Conversation, a podcast that aims to explore the unique perspectives of Africans. This season, I have conversations with Nigerians that are making an impact by disrupting societal and cultural norms, fighting against injustices, creating new paths and platforms, and who are showing that there are in fact limitless possibilities on the continent. On this episode, I'm talking to Aishetu Dozier, CEO and founder of Bossy Cosmetics, a beauty brand with a mission to empower women to look, feel, and do good. With an MBA from Harvard and extensive experience in finance, Ayeshetu has used her experience to create a platform that empowers women to realize their life and career goals and is an advocate for women in business. With her company, Bossy Cosmetics, Ayeshetu continuously shows the world that a profitable business can in fact have ethics and social change at the center of its brand identity, ethos, and mission. Thank you for joining me today, Ayeshetu. Thank you so much for having me, Maya. It's a real honor and pleasure. I'm really excited about our conversation today, and I want us to talk about the importance of timing in careers and career choices, crafting a business model with ethics and social change at its heart, and the difference between startup culture in the U.S. and in Nigeria. So I'll go right into my first question, And when I told a few friends who have, you know, followed your career and Bossy Cosmetics that you'd be a guest on the podcast, a common question was when you knew when to take the risk and start your own business after years in senior positions in some of the most respected financial institutions in the world.
1: Uh, You know, it's a tricky one because I started my career in finance, I think my first job was in 1995, so quite a while ago. (laughs) And while I really enjoyed it, to be honest, I did it mainly for the money. Mm. And I knew it wasn't, you know, where my heart lived. But at the time, I didn't think that was what was important for a career. I thought a career was about obviously financial independence. It was about making a name for yourself. And it was about, you know, doing what your mother expects you to do that's respectable, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a career at, you know, a, a bulge bracket Wall Street firm, you know, ticked all those boxes. And so being a first daughter, as you are, you know, you kind of do all the things you're supposed to do mm-hmm. because they're expected of you, even if they're not explicitly stated. So I was on that for a while and I then thought, okay, I know I'm not, this isn't my passion, but then I thought maybe what I'm supposed to be doing is, you know, being in these high power positions, making some money and then using the time that I'm not working and the money that I've made to really have a great life to live and to follow my passions. And then I think turning forty for me was really major and I think hopefully most people don't have to wait till they turn forty to have this realization. But for me, that's when I realized that I was defining success in a very wrong way. And I had obviously attained some level of financial independence at that point, you know, had the title and had all those things that, you know, one looked for back in nineteen ninety-five, and I still was incredibly unhappy and dissatisfied. And so I knew that my metric for success was wrong. And that's when I began to recalibrate. So it was really, you know, the year of turning 39 to 40 that I became, you know, internally disruptive. And then I just had this really deep calling that even though I was, again, the senior position, that I was made for more. I really felt very, very deeply that I was playing very small sitting in a bank in Nigeria, looking at loan documentation. Um, and and I, I basically heeded that call because it was deep, it was passionate and it was persistent. And I didn't know what I was supposed to do with it, but I knew that, um, you know, this, this, this journey that I had been on for all of these years, you know, there was a purpose for it and I was deeply grateful for it and I learned a lot from it um but i had reached the end of that journey that particular story was over for me
0: i think it's really interesting that you talk about this calling and how you know you had to wait until you were 40 for you to finally kind of muster up the the strength and also just have that have that thing in you that realized that this is something that you know your passions were something that you had to to go out and actively act on in order to be happy. Because I feel like this is something that many young Nigerians now are facing. Um, People that are about 25 are already trying to start their businesses. And I mean, in Nigeria, a lot of the time you find yourself working in a nine to five and also um, starting your own business and doing something that makes you happy and also makes you some more money. But I feel like the problem is that a lot of young people struggle with positioning themselves as entrepreneurs that have founded startups, as opposed to young people who have side hustles. In your experience, how do you distinguish your business as a startup and reap the benefits of that title?
1: Well, so first of all, let's disabuse ourselves of the fact that there is a benefit with the title. I think... Mm. You know, in the last number of years, with you know all these companies making billions of dollars, um, we have romanticized what it means to be a startup founder, and that now people think there's a benefit Mm. to it. And I'm here to tell you there is no benefit to it. Um, You know, it is the hardest thing you will ever do. From one day, you will be exceedingly happy because you know a big customer order came in or something. In that same day, you can be depressed because you run out of money um, or something goes wrong, right? It is the most volatile, emotional and mental journey you will ever go through. So to have a benefit in just calling yourself a startup CEO, to me is a vanity metric. Mm. And I would encourage anybody who is interested in developing A sustainable business to ignore vanity. And of course, it's interesting I'm saying that because I run a beauty business, (laughs) which is largely predicated on vanity. But that is a different type of vanity, right? I mean, there is a business of vanity. But running a business is not a vain endeavor. It is rolling up your sleeves, not looking great, you know, long hours, Lots of misery, lots of happiness, you know, lots of luck, lots of talent, lots of burning at all ends. So I think that forget about title. That's the first thing. And I think that when you're in a career, you should not forget about title, right? That's very important. Um, and I come from a very apprenticeship type ladder Career where you start up as an analyst, then you become an associate, and then from associate become VP. Like you, there's a clear ladder, and so you know how you're doing, whether you are progressing nicely on that ladder. But as a as a as a founder running a startup, I have run businesses, massive P&Ls, loan books. And now I am my own secretary. Now I am, you know, chief everything officer is what CEO stands for, for me. Um, And so it's not about the glory. It's about the passion. It's about the insight. It's about the customer. It's about the problem. And it's about a very unique approach to solving that problem for a very specific person. So that's, that's my response to that is forget about titles. If you're doing this for a title, wrong, wrong business to follow because it, it will suck up a lot of money. It will suck up a lot of, of time mm. and the odds are it will fail. <laughs> I mean, most businesses, you know, up fail mm. irrespective of how much money you even raised. So, you know, I have not received a salary in three years since I left banking. Wow. Right? So yeah, I don't even pay myself now because every single cent goes right back into the company. So this is not about vanity. This is about me having a very long-term goal of the kind of business I want to create, um, the kind of impression I want to leave with my customers, You know, the kind of, of, of market I want to create within a larger market that appears to be saturated. So I don't care about my title. I care about creating value.
0: I think it's interesting that you say that because it seems as though there's, there's, you know, a business and something that you want to be sustainable um, and outlive you. And then perhaps there's a side hustle Mm -hmm. where it's something where you want quick returns. You want spending money because it's interesting that you say that you haven't had a salary, because I think that's a reality. Not many young people in Nigeria are willing to accept. I think a lot of people look at leaving paid employment and starting your own business as a way to cash out.
1: Yeah. That's funny. (laughs) I mean,
0: yeah. Would you say there's kind of a a difference when you're thinking about the business between, you know, like, I mean, for lack of a better word, a startup, Mm -hmm. a sustainable business versus a side hustle where you just want to make a quick buck. So I think that
1: both are valid and both have their place. So I've done this is not my first business endeavor. I've done side hustles before I did a project called African Her Story a number of years ago and I did that throughout when I was a senior executive in finance. I would you know either use my iPhone or hire a film crew to film you know, successful African women from around the continent to learn more about their stories of success, failure, um, because I really wanted to be a part of changing the narrative on what the African woman is. And so that was a side hustle completely. Mm. And, you know, for me, that was not a goal to monetize, but we did have an opportunity to sell to a major network. Um, and so that would have been, you know, some extra cash on the side of, of my banking uh, career and I loved that project. In fact, a lot of what I learned from that project is what informed the insights behind Bossy Cosmetics today. So there is, you know, I wasn't at that time I wasn't ready to quit my job, right? I was very attached to the title. I was very attached to the money and the perks and the, you know, the power and to meeting these really amazing executives that I was servicing as a banker. Um, so to be able to pursue my passion on this side to me was super privileged. And so I think if you're not exactly 100% sure of what you'd like to do from a business standpoint, but you've got some ideas percolating in your head, if you can find a way to do those as a side hustle without interrupting your main hustle, I would encourage you to do it. I don't think every business needs to be jump and 100% on day one and quit your day job. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is super privilege. And let's be clear, I have privilege. You know, I, I'm an executive who's worked for many years. I'm married. You know, I can afford to say that I'm not going to take a salary for three years, relatively. Um, other people can't, mm-hmm. right? So you you can't hear my story and say, oh, I'm going to do what I should do and quit my job for three years and not make any money. You may end up, you know, in a homeless shelter. So everybody has to understand what their room to maneuver is, what their priorities are, and make an informed decision for themselves.
0: And on this topic of, you know, how difficult it is to start a business um, and just the reality of, finding yourself in a position where you've gone from having a regular salary. And like you said before, there's a ladder and you kind of know where you'll be if you work at a particular pace over a certain number of years. And now you're in this position where you can't pay yourself. I think it's interesting because on one hand, there's that reality where even in the U S you're facing that. But then we find that when people talk about Nigeria it's always this, the story of, of Africa rising and how the economy is just waiting for a young entrepreneur to innovate and disrupt and all of those words. Do you think you could have started Posse Cosmetics in Nigeria?
1: Yes, I think I could have. There, I mean, there are a lot of cosmetics companies in Nigeria now. So do I think I could have? Yes. Did I want to? No.
0: Mm.
1: Um, so that's just the obvious that's the real that's the real truth of it and I think yeah Africa is rising you know there is a lot of 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 demand for products and services but we have to remember you know what GDP looks like and what GDP per capita is and the, and the ability for customers to spend money and I think you know, especially now with where the market is going, is completely you know a whole new ball game around what discretionary income is for people and what people can spend on things that are not absolutely essential, mm-hmm. right? And so, do, do I? Do I think I could have started this business in Nigeria? Yes. Um, the reason I didn't want to is not just the market size, but it's also you know I did start a business a number of years ago in Nigeria, it's a children's play and activity center and you know we were wildly financially successful very quickly it was a very very successful company but i I, I closed it down for a number of reasons or more like i sold it for a number of reasons and the first one was the government Made me hate going to work every day. the 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 infrastructure that was available to me as an entrepreneur was next to nothing. I had to hire my own, you know, security. Have my own basically. I was a water pumping company. I was an electricity company. I was, you know, I, I basically was 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 paying taxes for absolutely nothing. And then I dealt with a situation of extortion from the tax authorities, Mm -hmm. Um, it was just really, really hard to, you know, I'm one of these people that's obsessed with excellence. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I don't want to provide a service that isn't great. I don't want to create a product that isn't great. And I just realized that it was very difficult for me to operate at the level I wanted to operate at in that environment at the particular price point that would have called for it. And the other reason is I knew I couldn't scale at that price point for the exact same reason I just told you, which is, you know, disposable income issues. And so you have a business that's very well needed. You know, it's a beautiful business. It's, it's making money, but it's not scalable. And I always knew that, you know, if I built a business, I wanted to build something that could scale. Mm. So those were the two reasons why I, I didn't do Cosmetics in Nigeria because I've done a business before in Nigeria and it was very hard. Everything, Everything worked against you, not for you.
0: Hmm. I think that's like a common sentiment, especially when you talk to business owners in Nigeria. They just talk about what a struggle it is, even just dealing with government and bodies that should be working to, working to ensure you're successful and they're the same people that are Kind of just like threatening your business and your well being. And I asked yeah, that question yeah. because I would have loved to see a company like Bossy Cosmetics in Nigeria because I love how at the core of the brand isn't this superficial message of, you know, female empowerment, like, you know, put on a red lipstick and you can change the world. But somehow you've happened, you know, you've managed to create this brand that for me really does speak to the young woman that's working hard to build her career. You know, even like as a student, when Bossy Cosmetics started and I was at university, something about it resonated with me. And I would have loved to see that in the Nigerian context. How have you incorporated elements of social enterprise into your business model Where on one hand you have this successful brand and, you know, it does speak to women empowerment, but at the same time, you're actively putting your money where your mouth is.
1: Yeah. So first of all, thank you. I mean, that's such a beautiful affirmation for me and for the team because, you know, we remain obsessed with our why. Mm. Right. And I try to make sure the why permeates everything we do our social media, our website, our product design, our product packaging, our ingredients, everything. You know, we are obsessed with this igniting confidence in today's ambitious woman. Like that's all we think about, all we think about, all we think about. So, you know, when we hear that it resonates, it's coming through, it's empowering. It is it literally like you just gave me a million dollars. So I <laughs> wanted to say thank you for that. Um, yeah, no, literally. Um, I want to say thank you for that. But so we, we, we I consider us, a mission-driven women's empowerment company that masquerades as a beauty brand. Our product is how we make money. It's our business model. But our reason of being is sparking confidence in ambitious women so that they go out there and achieve their dreams. They go out there, fight for pay equality. They go out there, fight for that promotion. They go out there, live their best lives. That's our ultimate goal. And that is a social goal. That is a world goal, right? We just happen to make revenues from the sale of makeup products. And so in doing that, not only is our message very socially oriented, but we partnered from our launch with three nonprofit organizations that do social advocacy work for women and girls around the world. And, and at the end of the year, we give them a percentage of our profits and we also, actually of our revenues, not our profits, um, we also encourage our customers to donate to them directly on our website. So you can either round up your purchase and, and it'll go to them or you can, you know, top up a dollar or whatever you want to donate to a specific cause. And the three organizations that we partnered with, one is actually a Nigerian company called Women at Risk International Foundation. It's... Uh, started by this really amazing OBGYN doctor, uh, Dr. Kemi Da Silva-Ibru. And she's got this organization that deals with um, you know, women who have encountered domestic violence, intimate partner violence, as well as children who have experienced this. So they're, they're one of the organizations we support. And in fact, we try to elevate the message that they do in all of the work that we do. Um, Another organization is called Girls Inc. based in St. Louis, Missouri. They work with with girls from the ages of 6 to 18, basically around empowering them and and, and with girls in the inner city to make sure that they feel the confidence to go out there and and do what's right for themselves. And then finally, another organization that we we partner with is called Women's Link Worldwide. They are a team of lawyers that that, um, basically fight precedented cases for, you know, victims of sex trafficking and, you know, other egregious uh, human rights abuses for women in vulnerable communities around the world. So, we try to elevate the work that they're doing. You know, I've I've done uh, Instagram lives with them that live on our social media so people can see,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, what we're talking about and know who they are so that you understand. And our, even our thank you card when you buy something from us, we put a thank you card in the in the in the in the package, and in there it says that your purchase. You know, supports organizations that do this type of work. So, we are a mission based company first. We are about a community before we are about selling products. Mm.
0: Many young Nigerians want to use entrepreneurship for good and solve societal and economic challenges using innovative business models. How can a young entrepreneur think about developing a business model that serves to solve a very specific problem?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, there's so many, there are more and more amazing examples out there. I mean, there's a woman I follow quite closely. Her name is Timi Giwa Tubosung, I think is how it's pronounced. And she runs LifeBank. Mm. And, you know, she just built a beautiful business around a very critical need for um, oxygen and blood, right? You know, people should not be dying because they don't have access to oxygen and blood. And she's solving that problem, you know, one canister at a time. And so, you know, she she has her story as to why that was a problem that was very you know, that resonated with her. And she has, you know, shared her story as to how she did it. And this is what I really love about social media is that You know, you can have a bunch of mentors that you don't even know Mm. listen to podcasts, I'm an avid podcast listener, hear how people, you know, build their businesses the struggles, I think it's so important for people to talk about struggles and failures um, and you hear that and you see what other people are doing and that should serve as a form of inspiration in that, wait I can do I can do this as well, right because as they say, none of us has two heads <laughs> you know, and it's not easy for any of us, I bet you if you ask any successful entrepreneur you know, we failed a million times we've had so many struggles, we've cried, we've laughed, we've, you know, thought we were dead in the water and, and we resurrected the next day. So if you have, you know, the moxie, the stones to do this, figure out what your passion is or, you know, what, your, what the problem is that is so passionate for you. What's the thing that gets you, your either your blood boiling or from an anger perspective or from a joy perspective and pursue that. You know, figure out that problem and start to talk to people to get to the nuts and bolts of why that's a problem. Why it's a problem that's either never been solved or has been, or you're a unique approach to solving that problem. And then just start chipping away at it. You know, you don't don't do until you do, right? So Mm. if you're, you know, a lot of people love to live in their heads um, and, and talk about things and, you know, share ideas, but they're not actually doing. And you're not, if you're not executing, you're not building. So, you know, the world is not short of ideas, but the world is short of brilliant execution people. Mm-hmm. So become a brilliant executor.
0: And I think Nigeria just speaks <laughs> to that, where you see people who have started things that on paper seem like they will solve problems, but then the execution just falls short. You know, I, I mean, let me give
1: you my, I mean, I'm not giving myself as a perfect example, but I will use myself as an example in that you don't be intimidated by the size of the problem and the size of the execution, right? Because hmm. I would argue, you know, I've been doing this now for nineteen, twenty months, so a very short amount of time. We have changed. You know, I literally, my website has changed maybe a thousand times, okay? <laughs> and it's by data. I look at the data, I look at what's working, I look at what's not working, and I make changes. My product packaging has changed like six times, right? I, I continue to reinvent the way we communicate. So the why has never changed, mm-hmm. but the execution of the why is constantly being refined. And I'm learning, okay, Instagram likes these types of messages. Twitter likes that. Or, you know, I'm just learning as I go along. Oh, you know, well, you know, what color should we make? What well, this, what's in, what's not. You, you have to keep your ear on the ground and you have to stay super connected to your end user to understand what he or she wants And then you continue, you know, to innovate, you continue to ideate, you continue to create. So I think that people, you know, if I started this company and thought, oh my God, there's like Kylie Jenner has billions of dollars in sales. What's the point of starting? I never would have started, right? Mm -hmm. I I just decided, okay, I'm going to start with a small collection of in lips and I'm going to start to learn through that. And then with time now, we're about to launch eyeshadows. And then we're about to launch eyeliners. And we're about to launch highlighters. So we're growing. Um, but the first 18 months, we only were in lips. Mm. We changed our logo twice. We're actually about to rebrand the company. <laughs> You're know, the first person I'm telling this to. <laughs> so there's are things we're doing. And I, I love it. It's scary. But, you know, at every, every turn, we get better at doing it. You know, we get better at communicating it. We get better at, you know, staying close to our customers. So I kind of feel like I'm in school again. And it's really a lot of fun, I've got to tell you. But it's scary as well. But you know what? Just don't let the fear take you to a point where you can't do. So bias for action. Gotta always be moving one foot in front of the other.
0: That's like the perfect segue into the next question I feel like when people talk about starting successful businesses and just being successful in business there are always conversations about education as well and you know wanting to do um, a business related degree whether it's at an undergraduate level or um, a master's level, and a lot of the time, the thing that people want that has just proved elusive is an MBA from, you know, the top ten um, business schools in the world. And as the exchange rate continues to just get worse and worse for Nigerians, I think wanting an education abroad is just more and more elusive for many people. As a person who has done the whole Harvard MBA thing and is now running her own business, do you think degrees like MBAs are necessary?
1: Oh, wow. I know that's a hard Uh, question. That's not a fair question. (laughs) Not fair. Um, (laughs) Not fair at all because it's so subjective. Mm. Do I think it's necessary? No, there are a lot of people who don't have MBAs from top 10 schools, right? And they're not dead, they're successful, they're, you know, living their lives or whatever. So that's an easy way to answer it. Do I regret getting an MBA from Harvard? No. Do I think it's paid for itself thousands of times over? Absolutely, yes. Do I think that I would not have gotten the success that I had today, having not gotten to Harvard Business School? Possibly. Hmm. So what does that mean? Um, And would I go to Harvard Business School all over again? Absolutely. I borrowed every single cent to go to Harvard Business School. I didn't have a mother who wrote me some massive check to go to business school, right? Um, And never father at all. So I didn't have parents who were going to do that for me. I did it for myself. I borrowed the money. And I, you know, it took me a while to to start to pay it off. And that's part of why I was working in finance, right? It was because that's where the money was and I needed the money to pay off these massive loans that I had taken, but it was worth it for me because of the networks, right? Mm. Um, it was worth it for me. And this is super, super, super personal. So it's not advice. It's sharing my story. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like if I wanted to ultimately have a global career, where i could go anywhere as a black woman
0: mm-hmm. in
1: today's world right um i was thinking beyond africa at this point right if i wanted to do a deal in china in the middle east in latin america in anywhere and then i said i went to harvard people were like they would assume okay she's smart. <laughs> i have to prove myself to through, mm-hmm. right and that's I was thinking I wanted to be credentialized because I knew that it was going to be hard for me anyway you know at that point in time you know when I was you know 23 24 you know my aspirations were very different from what they are now as I said you know for me success looked very differently but I wanted to be you know, I think I had dreamt of being a managing director of Goldman Sachs. Like that was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, I have, I have arrived. And I thought that one of the easiest ways to do that is to just have a degrees because that's where at the time Goldman Sachs goes to recruit, right? And then when they go there to recruit, if there's somebody in your alumni group, then they can take you on as a sponsor and kind of shepherd you through the process, and that's actually what happens mm. in these types of industries. So that was my thinking. I think to a large extent that is still happening, but there is this now new call to democratize access, not just in finance, but in venture capital and all sorts of industries. So I I think a lot of that has changed now. Um, But I don't regret it at all. I had such a fantastic time at HBS. To be honest, I can't even tell you that I learned that much. Because I wasn't focused (laughs) on that much learning. I was focused Mm -hmm. on networking. I was focused, yeah. I just, you know, I had my class, had, you know, people from all over the world who'd done all sorts of things. I was just enthralled by the diversity of what life could give me and could offer me. And it, was, it was a very pivotal and transformational experience for me. And I don't think that any job would have given that to me. Mm. And that's the stuff that you can't price. So if I, for me, the bet of going to borrow $200,000 at that time so that I could, go to business school, have a place to live, have a buy a car, all the things I needed to do. Was it worth it? Absolutely. I paid it all off. Mm. You know what I mean? I paid it all off and it has been worth it. But I don't know. I mean, I can't i can't speak for anyone else if they think that's a worthwhile um, risk to take. Um, you know, if you can... If you if you really are interested in pursuing an MBA in one of these types of schools, and you can get you know scholarships slash loans, you know just know that you have to pay them off, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have to find yourself in a position working in an environment that would allow you to pay them off. And for many people, that's not bad. You know, I you know I know some. Some people just graduated from Stanford. They have these really great tech jobs. They're happy. They really want to get exposure to tech. They want to do it for a few years to learn about it. And they're making good money, mm. right? So um, it is it's really transformational. And If you are interested in a career, um, that's broad. That's the beauty of an MBA. And what I love the most about you know Harvard is, you know, it's a general management degree, so they're not forcing you to be in marketing or forcing you to be in any area of business. It's more of what is it like to lead a team? What is it like to deal with with difficulty? And how do you, you know, take bits and bobs of information and extrapolate to make very quick um, responses? Because in many cases in life, you don't have full information. But as a business leader, you you know, you've got to make a call. And that's what Harvard is preparing you to do, you know, multiple times a day over two years. And that's kind of rigor, you know, you don't appreciate it until you get into the real world. Mm. I mean, you know, I, I kind of sound like an HBS marketing person, but I, don't know, I promise <laughs> you. Um, that just goes to say that, you know, I cannot advise anyone whether they think a business degree is necessary for them, but it was absolutely necessary and useful for me. And it has paid itself off just multiple times.
0: I think that's a powerful answer because I feel like it's interesting that you say that it wasn't necessarily the learning that was the best part as opposed to the networking. And I think you're hundred percent right about saying people see that on your CV and then instantly think you're the most intelligent person in the room. And that's like incredibly powerful. And like you said, it's also interesting factoring in just your position in the world as a black woman and being realistic about what it is you need to succeed. I think a lot of people look to mentorship as a way to get an education in a similar way where your mentor can open you up to their network and can also teach you what they've learned along the way. How can young women cultivate mentors and how can we appropriately approach women we admire and seek mentorship?
1: Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for this one. <laughs> you know, It's really weird because I don't think I have ever asked anybody to be my mentor, but I have a number of mentors, many of them I don't know, so I consider someone like Oprah Winfrey my mentor, I consider Melody Thompson my mentor, don't know these women. But, you know, I follow their careers. I read the articles on them, you know, their own podcasts. I mean, I, I drink up everything that they do um, because I just think they're amazing women. And then I have, you know, I, I'll give you one example of, uh, of a guy who I don't even know if he knows he's my mentor. Um, Kim Belosage. I mean, I've known him for 20 some odd years. We actually had a really great conversation the other day. You know, when we're in the same city, we see each other, you know, our families know each other, and um, he's my mentor. I don't think Uncle King knows that. But, like, if I have a particular challenge, I might pick up the phone, give him a call, or if I'm in Lagos, go to his house, we'll sit down, we'll have lunch. And over that three to four hour conversation, he has mentored me. He doesn't even know it. So you have to develop relationships. But I, like I said, I've known him for over 20 years. How did I meet him? I think I met him at HBS my first year. I went to introduce myself. I've put in the work in that relationship. Huh? over the years, anytime he's doing something, I go visit him, stay in touch with his kid. I mean, I'm, I'm putting it in. We are. I think he considers us friends. He may not know that I see him as a mentor. So what am I saying about that is that, you know, I have been learning from a lot of people. You know, I have, I have a gentleman now, his name is James. He is on, um, he's an investor in Bossy, and he's also my advisor. And, you know, we do a monthly call where I check in with him. He used to be chairman and CEO of Jumba Juice. So he really understands how to build, you know, iconic retail brands. And so he's an advisor to me. But I don't know that he, I never said, James, can you be my mentor? we started off a relationship, you know? So I think that mentorship is like, it's like at meeting someone and saying, hi, can you be my friend? Mm-hmm. That's very awkward. <laughs> it just, it, 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 I don't know. People do it and I don't understand how they do it. It's not something that I've done before, but I have a number of people who mentor me. Many of them are my peers as well. And it's just about developing relationships and very much give and take. Now, how do you, and, and this is my advice, and again, I'm I'm not getting advice, I'm just saying what I've done. And if people want to take that as something that they might model after, that's great. I definitely find it super awkward when somebody comes to me either at an event or sends me a DM and says, please can you mentor me? You know, again, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I find it extremely off-putting, especially if I don't know you. We are not connected through a person, right? And you want me to mentor you on, you know? I've had people say to me, "I'm starting." I mean, you should read my DMs. I'm starting a, a, a lipstick company, and I need mentorship. And then the rest of the DM, I'm not kidding you, is like 15 pages of questions they want me to answer. Okay, that that just that, it guys. It doesn't work that way, and it's not because. I, I, I don't want to share information because I'm, I'm really big on, guys, we've got to build this thing together. There's room for everyone. But just imagine, dude, I don't know you. I don't have the time. I'm building a business. I'm a mother of three children. I am still trying to get my hair and my nails done. I'm trying to stay alive in the middle of a pandemic. And you think I have time to answer your 16 pages of requests? It is selfish. And this is the thing that, that astonishes me. Because I'm 100% certain that if I wrote Oprah Winfrey, a DM of 16 pages, she wouldn't read it. So I think people who want mentorship, they've got to put in the work. I'm sorry, you've got to put in the work. That's how I've done it gotten to, I've used happenstance, I've used serendipity, I've asked people who know other people to introduce me to those people, that's something I do a lot, I'll go to somebody that I know very well, and I know that they know the person, I can check through LinkedIn and they'll say, hey, you know, my OIC, or you're, you're connected to this lady lady busy, oh, she owns a blah, 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 and blah, 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 I really want to meet her, can you introduce? That's a warm intro. And I know that we, we you know i know that we're trying to democratize access but i'm just telling you from my honest heart and soul you know there's only so many hours in the day there's only so much time i can do, i can i can give to things that i'm also running a small business there's no way i can spend this time mentoring people on on things I'm still learning and so you know I, I did this thing on Instagram the other day where I was like all right guys I get so many dms of people asking me questions maybe I should do like a monthly office hours where for an hour or two I'll open up my zoom link anybody who has questions for me let's get on there and maybe that's what I'll start doing because and you know whoever shows up shows up I answer the questions to the best of my ability and then I leave but to develop you know, one-on-one coaching relationships with people. I don't have the capacity for that. And there are people who are professionals who do that, right? I mean, we actually have a service called Beauty Meets Wisdom, where you can go on a site, see experts in a particular area. If you are a customer of ours, we will offer you a free hour um, service with them. If you like them, then you pay them for their services so this is this is the tough response right if you you, if you can't get a warm intro to someone you know you've got to find a way and that's the thing about getting what you want right you've got to be creative and and to think that it's going to be handed to you you know what I got from that
0: is be sneaky (laughs) be
1: strategic Go ahead. Was exactly. exactly. That's a better word. Be strong You know what I mean? Like you know. And I have lots of friends. Like people we're just some WhatsApp type friends now. Like hey, we meet, we talk, we this, we every once in a while we catch up, we da 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 da. da. And then you just one day slip in one question. You know, I I was laughing. I have this uh, young gentleman that I guess uh, he's like my mentee right but he just snuck in mm. he just snuck his way in <laughs> he really did a really good job i've got to tell you like over the last two and a half years he has worked his way to the point now we we speak frequently you know when he's evaluating job offers he calls me i don't even know how this guy did it over the years you see what i mean so but he didn't start off on the first day and say hey will you mentor me so you've got to put in the work you've got to put said I know know that Oprah Winfrey is I'm not comparing myself to Oprah but I'm just saying the people that I admire the most I know that they're very busy of course I would like Oprah to give me the keys to the kingdom but it doesn't work that way and I know that there will be a day that I will meet her and we will develop a relationship and I will be able to ask her one-on-one questions but I'm not stupid enough to send her a 16 page
0: DM. that's a bit crazy and to be honest I think a average person I mean, I'm not that busy, but if someone sent me 16 pages even just 16 questions, I'd be like right, nope <laughs> right. just for the exactly, average person right. I just nope. wouldn't respond
1: <laughs> you know, and I'm also learning now I mean, it's not now to be honest, I'm just getting better at it to say no I mean, I'm the queen at saying no I mean, it's, it's, I read this book called Essentialism the divine pursuit of less, and I don't even feel bad anymore because my mental and emotional health is so important. My spiritual health is the most important to me. I have children. I have a husband. So I have a mother. I have friends. I have a business. I have a lot on my plate and I have to service those with equal passion and gusto. So anything outside of that, if I give you my time, hey, is you, please is, you know, pity me. You have to pity me. As I'm talking to you right now, my three children are downstairs in school. As I'm talking to you, when we finish, I will check. One teacher would have emailed me, this one didn't have his yellow book. This one hasn't submitted his list. This one hasn't done that. That's in and of itself as a full-time job. So I don't think people really appreciate, especially in this current time, how difficult it is for parents. And when I see these some of these messages, I don't respond because I'm like, okay, uh, even to respond to you, to tell you that I'm busy is taking time away from me. So since you have not been gracious enough to be very direct and specific with your requests, I, I'm just not going to be able to get to this.
0: Fair enough. Because I, I honestly think that When I think about it just in terms of me and how, just how how much I value my time, I can't imagine just, and it's not even a money thing saying, you know, for free, giving you advice for free, but taking out that time and effort to talk to someone you don't know, and really you don't owe anything to. You talking about, you know, how Oprah is one of your mentors. I think it's powerful because it's important to know that some people can be mentors from afar. You can literally just watch what they do and learn yeah. from it. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people now, especially with social media, put out so much for free, so much free advice into the world. Yeah, and yeah. in many ways, that's
1: enough. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I struggle with this a lot, to be honest. So I'm not, I, I haven't landed well. My husband and I laugh about this a lot because I do believe that God has a purpose for me. And what he's doing in my life, I do believe is for me to do something for women. And I believe that he is, I am just a vessel for that. So I do struggle when people, you know, make requests like this. I I struggle. I said I share this with my with Z because I'm like, I feel like, hey, this is what God wants me to do. But I've not finished reading the other ones he asked me to do. So which one should should I do right now? You know, and it's not cut and dry for me to be honest. It's not that simple, but you know, I also know that God doesn't want me to fall down that die either. So um I I need to temper it. I need to temper it and I need to you know, and I know this sounds terrible, but I'm getting it now. You need to put up walls, you need to you know, there need to be layers of access, you know, until you have the time. And my goal, hopefully one day, you know, you know, if I built this business to the point where, you know, I have a supply chain manager and I'm not doing supply chain myself, I have a fulfillment manager where I'm not, you know, where I have all these business heads managing things and I'm just the person in charge of the vision of the brand, and I will have time for lots of mentorship by then. <laughs> I don't have time for that right now because I'm in the, the middle. I'm literally in the details. If you come to my office, you will not believe what you see, and we are expanding rapidly. You know what I mean? We have some announcements coming out, like we're doing some stuff, okay? I can that this is not the time. Sorry. Like I literally want to put a notice. Do not send me a message because I while I really want to be supportive. I'm trying, there's something I'm working on, there are things I'm trying to do and it's taking 100% of my time right now.
0: I feel like it's funny because my next question is like, what advice, (laughs) and we've just talked about (laughs) mentorship and like asking questions, (laughs) but I guess for the sake of this podcast, I will ask, what advice do you have to give to entrepreneurs who are set on starting businesses in competitive and very saturated sectors like beauty?
1: Sure. I mean, first of all, I mean, that's a perfect question. and I'm happy to answer it. First of all, you know, brace yourself. It is rough in a saturated market, right? And I can tell you that when I was starting this company, most people were like, what? You want to sell lipsticks? Like, you know, like just the most derogatory statements you can even begin to imagine. You know, people saying to me, why would you do that? There's like so many people selling lipsticks and da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, you can't do this. And just, you know, all this stuff, right? Negative, 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 negative. And... I I had this, like I said, I had this belief. I believed I could do it, and I, you know, I still every day ask myself sometimes, "Hey, why am I going to pick this thing? Or why did I go and pick software or something?" But this is what I wanted to do, and so, you know, what I would say is become obsessed with your why. And when you answer the why, answer the why of the why, and the why. Why are you doing this? Why? Why? Just keep. Asking it and then and then stay with it, right? Stay with it. As I said, in 1920 months, we have evolved in our in the ways we talk about our products and the products that we sell and the offering and the ingredients and everything. So we are we are learning a way to really distinguish ourselves in the beauty industry and that is my obsession like from the minute I decided I was going to do this I became obsessed with how do I distinguish myself in a market that's so saturated how do I distinguish 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 it's all I think about I still think about it every day we're not even close to solving it but we still that's that's what permeates my thinking all the time so I would say to somebody if you want to start a business in beauty or anything that's super saturated you know what makes you different why should a customer pick you be obsessed with that, be obsessed with that, be obsessed with that and then do it. Like I said, it's in the doing, right? Like try it. The way we did it is we started with very small, you know, we started with a small investment. We started and just small by small, by small, by small. And, you know, see what happens, see how it works and be prepared, have the stomach because you know, you will receive lots of gut punches along the way, but, you know, you've got to be committed to stay the course.
0: I literally remember when you first started Bossy, and you had, like, 400 followers on Instagram, and one day you had, like, 10,000, and I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then the packaging was gold, Um, and then I saw there was an eyeshadow, and I was literally just like, when did this happen? I know, (laughs) right? I was like, didn't this start last year when has all this happened
1: <laughs> yeah so like literally we have gone it's just been you know there's a lot of there's a lot of grace in this business there's been a lot of favor um you know we are just slowly cultivating a following you know slowly cultivating a tone of voice you know, we are you know, we've got some retailers that are very interested in, in stocking the brand now, so we're thinking about wholesale relationships and you know, it's just been really beautiful. And um I think for me the most emotional part is to, you know, as I'm talking to you, I'm in my little office. I have, you know, from our very first bottle, our very first packaging, you know, and I look at the very first stuff now and I think, oh my god, this is so. Ugly. It
0: wasn't ugly. It was minimalist. Oh yeah, that's the right word. Fine, <laughs>
1: very minimalist. And if you know anything about me, way, you know I'm not minimalist. So, so yeah, I mean. There's definitely growth over that period of time. Um, and, you know, we're just, you know, I'm now playing around with ideas and designs because, you know, it was very minimalist by design because I was like, oh, I'm I to just start doing all sorts of fancy stuff. They don't even know you. You're not an influencer. You're a nobody. Like, just random, Nigerian like, you're a girl living in Palo who wants to be selling lipstick. Like, it just doesn't even make sense to the normal person. Right. So I was very shy. Like in the beginning, I was just like, hey, how do I even tell people in this area that I own like, a beauty company? They'll just look at me like this girl is daft. And with time, I just started to develop the confidence of actually, it's a real business. The beauty business is $600 billion and growing. Mm-hmm. And we are growing with it. And um, no shame in this game. You know, we've got customers who love our product and love our messaging, and we're growing. And so that emboldened me to, okay, let's try this. And you know, I commissioned someone, let's get a new logo, you know, and let's do a new this and you know, let's try some new product designs and let's try some new packaging designs. You know, and then you know, through luck I met my most amazing packaging designer. She's you know, lives in Paris. And you know, that was just a collaboration made in heaven. She now, you know, designs all of our primary and secondary packaging. And she's just taking the brand up, like, notches. Like, I don't even call it notches. Like, if you look at the first one to what we're doing now, mm-hmm. even me, I'm like, try this one. You have legitimized me. I can confidently walk into major retailers and be like, we make good stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a journey, I've got to say. It's been a journey. It's been a journey.
0: I feel like this is a very hopeful and joyful way to end this section. Okay. In the next section, I like to ask rapid fire questions just so listeners get a better sense of, you know, your personality and uniqueness. So it's literally just choosing one of two things. Okay. Um, yeah. And the theme of this is, is beauty because, you know, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so my first question is matte or glossy
1: matte
0: neutral or colourful
1: colourful
0: makeup as self-care or makeup as war paint we can't do both okay war paint me too (laughs) 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 signature look or different day different colour
1: different day different colour
0: skincare or makeup makeup facial or massage
1: facial
0: Blush or bronzer? Blush. Beach holiday or city break?
1: Beach holiday.
0: Plantain, fried or boiled? Fried. Yes to that. (laughs) (laughs) Lip gloss or lipstick? Lipstick. Twitter or Instagram?
1: Twitter.
0: Skincare, French or Korean? French. Jollof rice or fried rice? Jollof. Southern fried chicken or chicken stew? Southern fried chicken. <gasps> Traitor. <laughs> 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 I like my stew with oak <laughs> Bossy or boss?
1: Boss. Boss. Mm. <laughs>
0: Right. So, moving on to the three texts that have shaped the way you think, and I say text because it can be a song, it can be a poem, it can be an article, or it can be a book.
1: Um, so the first, and no, so no particular order.
0: Yeah, no order. Um,
1: the Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. That book is unbelievable. Mm. <laughs> Um, you know, it's the story of a journey, right? And for me, it's the story, it's everyone's story in life and the trials and the tribulations and what you go through. And, you know, for me, the moral of that story is that life is in the journey. It's not in the destination. Mm. And so you really have to enjoy the journey because, you know, everything you need, you already have in you. The problem is that you've got to go through the process of realizing that. Mm. I would say that's um, really big for me. Um, There's a song that I remember in school. I was an undergrad, and I remember meeting, I was so broke. Like, uh, honestly, I can't remember how little money I had. It could have been just $10. And it was um, a holiday. It was Thanksgiving or something, and I wanted to go visit my mom in Ohio, and I was in Ithaca. And I did not have money. My mom didn't have money to buy me a ticket. And I didn't have money to buy a ticket. And I can't remember the details of how I ended up buying the bus ticket. But I was so depressed because I was like, are you meaning that I'm going to? And of course, Ithaca is like freezing around Thanksgiving. So it's like terribly cold. And I was so sad because I thought I would not be able to spend the holiday with my mom. And I remember crying and crying and crying and crying. And then I went for this dance performance and they did this most beautiful dance to a song by Yolanda Adams called The Battle Is Not Yours and oh my god I mean I wept and wept and wept while they did that dance and it, till tomorrow I listen to that song whenever things feel really difficult for me because that song really was the first time I re- and in the end I can't remember how I bought money but I did go home by bus <laughs> Um, but that was the song that really told me that when you cry to God, you know, he hears you, he sees your tears and he will, he will answer you. You know, that was, that was beautiful for me. And then the third one is a poem by Maya Angel called Phenomenal Woman.
0: Mm, Love it. So those are my three. And that's a beautiful way to end the episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was an
1: absolute pleasure speaking with you,
0: Maya. Oh, That means so much to me. Thank you. <laughs> Visit bossybeauty.com to purchase Bossy Cosmetics products and find out more about the company. You can follow iShay2 on Instagram at iShay2 and on Twitter at The 2 you can find me on Instagram where I'll be reading and reviewing books at myowa underscore reads. Thank you for listening.